Hey there, everybody. Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to go ahead and offer the usual disclaimer. As the name would suggest, I'm just an average guy. I'm not a theologian, and I have no Bible degrees of any sort. The topics covered in this podcast are the results of my own study and understanding, and any and all opinions expressed are just that, my own opinions. I encourage everyone listening to treat this not as an end-all be-all for your understanding, but as a jumping-in point for your own study. I hope that the verses and perspectives provided inspire you to cultivate further growth in your spiritual walk. Now with all that out of the way, let's get into the episode. What is up everyone? Welcome to An Average Account of Exceptional Things. My name is Chandler and I am your host. Thank you for joining us. We're here. We made it. It is episode one. We're officially putting this on the air. And to celebrate that, celebrate the fact that you are here listening, I want to give you a little bit of insight into how I went about creating this episode and how I plan to go about making the future episodes. So I sat down and I thought to myself, what are some topics that I might want to cover? And there's a pretty lengthy list that is sitting in my Google Docs. And there are a wide variety of topics. There's some really interesting and fascinating stuff that I'm super excited about. I'm hoping that you all will enjoy that as well when it gets here. But as I scrolled down this list, I kind of thought to myself, what would be a good starting place? And there was one thing that jumped out at me, and it was this. Forgiveness. I think that forgiveness is so important to understanding the Christian faith, to walking the Christian walk. And it's often really easy to overlook or gloss over. So here it is, episode one, forgiveness. So I want to go ahead and start by establishing a base understanding of what forgiveness is and how do we forgive someone. Because I think it's going to be really useful for some of the questions to come that we're all working from kind of the same starting point here. So first things first, I want to talk about divine forgiveness. That's God's forgiveness for us. So first off, I'd like to go ahead and define forgiveness in biblical terms. And I think the most straightforward definition that I could find and come up with is this. Forgiveness is God's promise not to count our sins against us. It's God's letting go of our sins. Now, I do have a couple of verses here about God's forgiveness for us. And I want to try to provide a little bit of context around some of these verses, just because I think that it's very useful as opposed to cherry-picking verses here and there single verses or maybe just a pair of verses with no context, it can be really easy to lose the meaning like that. So I've tried to go ahead and document a little bit of context just to give you a better idea of what's happening here as well. And just a quick note here, all of these verses that I'm going to read during the episode are from the ESV. I'm personally a big King James fan. I know a lot of people like a lot of different translations and there's some really good ones out there. But for the sake of simplicity and ease of understanding, we're just going to go ahead and use ESV. That's the English Standard Version. The first verse I want to talk about is 1 John 1, verse 9. It says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now obviously this is talking about God forgiving us from our sins. I think that this is just a really beautiful verse. It's a a great way to sort of sum up not only the general idea of forgiveness, but also an application of God's forgiveness towards us and our sins. Secondly, I want to talk about Acts chapter 5, verse 31. 
God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Now I'm going to do a little more breakdown on this verse here, a little bit of context. So for starters, this verse is talking about Jesus. I know that's kind of the Sunday school answer, but it is, and I think that's useful because sometimes verses do talk about other people or a specific church during the time period. Secondly, it refers to giving repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Now, this is not talking specifically only about the nation of Israel. If you've never had any exposure to this language, Israel is a term used in the Bible to refer to God's chosen people. Now, the great thing is, because of Jesus' death on the cross, everyone can be God's chosen people. Salvation makes you one of God's chosen people, which means that this gateway to repentance and forgiveness of sins is open to anyone who accepts Christ. That's the good old gospel message, and if you've never heard that before, that's just a little bit of context for these couple of verses and how forgiveness applies in a divine sense. So secondly, I want to go ahead and talk about a couple of verses that really lay out what forgiveness is in the context of human relationships, forgiveness for one another. And the first verse is actually a couple of verses that I want to look at. It's Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. It says this, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Now on to verse 4. And if he sins against you seven times in the day, and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So, unpacking this a little bit here, uh, the first thing that really stands out to a lot of people is this idea of sinning against you seven times. So, in the context historically, there was a, a policy, sort of an idea, that a person could be forgiven up to seven times, but after that, you have no obligation to forgive. And that was all time, uh, seven times forever during their lifetime. And here Jesus says, if he sins against you seven times in a single day and turns to you saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So the idea that someone would sin against you seven times and you would forgive them all during a single day is meant to just blow this concept of only forgiving someone seven times completely out of the water. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples, but this is also the word of God to us about forgiving one another for any trespasses that someone may have committed against you or someone forgiving you of something you may have done to them. Secondly, I want to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 39. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is the Apostle Paul uh, writing while he is in prison. The whole book of Ephesians was written while Paul was in prison. So first off, I think that's really interesting because you see this man who is imprisoned, locked up, and he's writing, be kind to one another. Additionally, this outlines a really key concept to understanding forgiveness. And that is the parallel between forgiving one another and the forgiveness that we have received. And we're going to see that elaborated on a little bit more here in just a second. But that's a really important connection to draw because our basis for forgiveness stems from the forgiveness that we've received for our sins. And this also goes back to our call to live a Christ-like life, to try to model our lives after Jesus' perfect example. And that's just one way 
that that relates. So now that we've got a foundation for what is forgiveness established, I want to get into a few different questions. The first one is, why do we need to forgive? Obviously, we understand what it is, but why does it matter? Because I think application is also something that's very, very important. So going back to the question, why do we need to forgive? Well, I think to answer that, we also need to look at the flip side of that, which is, what does it look like when we don't forgive? And for this, I'm going to turn to a section of verses that a lot of people are going to be familiar with, but I'm going to go ahead and read them because I think it's great for everyone to hear this again. And also, maybe you've never heard this parable, and if that's the case, then hold on because this is an incredible parable and a wonderful lesson. This is in Matthew chapter 18. It's the parable of the unforgiving servant. I'm going to be reading verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. I'm going to pause right here. If you're reading the old King James, which again, nothing against King James Version, that's my personal preference as well, you will hear it said seventy times seven, not seventy-seven times. Either way, this is meant to be a huge astronomical number. No, Jesus is not telling you to count how many times you've forgiven someone because one day they're going to run out of forgiveness. If you're doing it right, no one ever runs out of forgiveness because we never run out of forgiveness from God. So, going on from there. Jesus said to him, I did not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, with his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him, and forgave him the debt, But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii, and seized him. He began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused, and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Wow, that is a powerful, powerful parable. And again, if you've never heard that, I hope that this has had some kind of reaction from you when you hear the story about this servant who was forgiven going out and demanding payment, having no forgiveness to his fellow servant. So there's a lot to talk about here, and we could really make almost an entire episode probably about this one parable, but I'm going to go ahead and keep it as brief as possible. The first thing that's really important is the amount that the first servant the unforgiving servant, was forgiven by his master. It says in the verses, 10,000 talents. 
And I know that probably most of us don't go out carrying a handful of talents in our wallet, and we have no clue how many Coca-Colas or Big Macs that is. Let me go ahead and just offer the rough exchange rate for talents to U.S. dollars, or in in a better way to say it, days of work. According to historians, 10,000 talents was the equivalent of about 60 million days of work. The amazing part about this is that servant clearly was not going to live to work 60 million more days, which means there was no way that he could possibly pay back this debt, and yet his master forgave him anyway. And the same is true for us. There is no way that we could ever work hard enough or live a perfect life in such a way to pay the sin debt that we owe. But the amazing thing is that just like the master in the story, God is faithful to forgive us of those things. You repent, confess, believe in Christ, and you can be forgiven of your enormous debt just like this servant was. The other thing that you have to realize here is After he gets forgiven this amazing sum, he goes out into the streets. He finds this guy that owes him a much smaller amount. Presumably this is something that he could have actually paid off, nothing even close to what the original servant was forgiven of. And he chokes him out, and he throws him in jail. Wow. I mean, really stop and think about that. If that doesn't elicit some sort of response in your mind when you hear that. I want you to just take a moment, put two fingers on your wrist, and check for a pulse. And the scary thing about it is, Jesus then compares the servants in this parable to people today, to us, and essentially says, listen, when you don't forgive, you are the unforgiving servant. Think about God's forgiveness for our sins. Think about the magnitude of our sin debt. And now I want you to think about the last time that somebody wronged you. How much smaller are the things that we hold on to than the things that God has forgiven us? I think it's really easy to have this mindset where you say to yourself, but I'm not going out and finding someone in the street and slinging them to the ground and demanding repayment or vengeance or whatever you want to call it for whatever they've done to me. I'm just holding this in my heart, but it's not hurting anyone, so it's not the same. Let me tell you, that's not much better at all. In worldly terms, you may get out of a assault and battery charge by holding it in your heart instead of letting it out on that person, but spiritually, the call to forgiveness is just the same. The truth is, you can't treat someone with love, truly, until you've forgiven them. Because as long as you're holding on to that in your heart, you're going to be consumed by bitterness about the situation towards the person. Even if you made an A-plus in high school drama class, and they will never know that you're holding on to that, you're holding on to that. And you're aware that you're holding on to that. We are called to treat people in a loving way and care for others. And you simply can't until you let that go, until you forgive. But there's another thing that I hear said a lot, an idea that's that's kicked around, and it's this. Forgive, but don't forget. So I want to talk about that for a minute. And I want to offer 
some perspectives, some faith perspectives about whether or not that's really viable, whether or not that's what we're called to do. And this is a very interesting question because I think that this sparks a lot of conversation and there may be different opinions or perspectives, but here are mine. First off, we're called to model our lives after Jesus, after Christ, again. And we see through the Bible that not only does God forgive, but God forgives and forgets. I have a few verses here. Once again, I'm going to offer just a little bit of brief context because I don't want this episode to run too long. The first one is Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. It says this, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. This is describing the new covenant between people and God created by Jesus when he died to cover our sins. If you're not familiar with the new covenant and the old covenant, we may talk about that in another episode. I encourage you to just do a quick Google search. You can find a lot of great information about that. Essentially, you will find the old covenant in the Old Testament, the new covenant, and the story of the new covenant in the New Testament. The Old Covenant is prior to the coming of the Messiah. The New Covenant is what we currently have ushered in by crucifixion and resurrection. The part that I really want to focus on here is that second half of the verse. I will remember their sins no more. So right here it is. Not only does God forgive, God also forgets. Next I want to talk about Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25. I... I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. So if the language of, I will remember their sins no more, was a little too vague, here it is explicitly stated, I will not remember your sins. Really fast lightning round context. This comes from Isaiah, that is the Old Testament. The most important thing to understanding the context of a lot of the verses in Isaiah is to understand who's writing it. Hopefully this isn't too much of a spoiler alert, but the book of Isaiah was written by Isaiah. The cool thing about Isaiah is that he's actually a prophet. He is giving all of these prophecies about the coming Messiah, and you'll see a lot of those if you read through some of the Old Testament books and then read the New Testament you'll see the prophecies fulfilled. And that's the amazing part about the Bible is that you will see continuity through all the books. And again, I know that's some very brief context, but I would strongly encourage everyone to go read these verses and get an even better feel for that during your own study. Finally, I want to look at Micah chapter 7, verse 19. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. This verse is speaking of God's love and compassion. So again, you see these three verses, and they all say the same thing. Not only does God forgive, but God also forgets. Now I know what some people may be thinking right now, and actually this is the same thing that I thought to myself. Hey, wait a second. We've already established that God forgets our sins, but isn't God all-knowing? So if God is all-knowing, how does God forget? And a lot of this comes from what we typically think of when we think of forgetting, because we have a very worldly perspective on forgetting. And if I had to categorize these, 
I would say that there's active forgetting and passive forgetting. Now, I would venture to say that what a lot of people think about, myself included, when you hear the word forget, is this definition. To fail to remember, to be unable to recall. So that's the first definition. And I think that that's probably the most commonly recalled definition in our minds. And that's what I would consider passive forgetting. It's something that happens to you. You study up for a test, and then you get into the classroom the next day, and you can't remember. Or someone gives you their phone number, and you didn't write it down. You think that you'll recall it later, but you can't. This isn't something we do on purpose. It just sort of happens. Now, there is a second definition. There's actually about eight definitions. But this, in my opinion, is the way that forget is used in this context. The definition is to cease or omit to think of something. There's also another definition below that, to neglect willfully. And this is what I think of as active forgetting. It's something that is done intentionally and with purpose. And when I think of God forgetting our sins, this is how I envision it. Because obviously God is capable of remembering. Again, God is all-knowing. So God could remember all of that if he chose to. But God chooses to forget about our sins, to wipe the slate clean. This is part of God's perfect process for forgiving. So I think that's an important distinction to make. We should never be confused or be under the false assumption that God somehow is unable to recall our sins, to remember what he has forgiven. However, isn't it so much more powerful when you consider it that God chooses to just stop thinking about it because when you are forgiven, God no longer sees the things you've done. Your slate is wiped clean and you are renewed by his spirit. So to answer the initial question, forgive but don't forget, is that the right attitude to have? Is that an acceptable perspective as a Christian? I would say no. I think there's a lot of scripture to back this up. I think that we have a lot of examples of God, of Jesus, forgiving and choosing to forget. And I think that in, in that same way, we are called to forgive and then leave those things in the past. Because if you say that you've forgiven someone, but then you dwell on those things, you're consumed by that same bitterness. Did you really forgive them? I would say probably not. So once again, forgive but don't forget. I'm going to say I don't think so. I think that those are a package deal if you're trying to live as the Bible calls us to live. So finally, I want to wrap up with one last question, and that is, how does this apply to us today? Now, I know some of you may be listening, and you're thinking to yourself, wow, this sounds like a pretty good way to kind of get walked all over, like you have to let people wrong you again and again. And a simple answer is, in a way, yes, because we see in Scripture Jesus turning the other cheek, not retaliating. However, I think there is also a, an interesting perspective that I'd like to bring to you about this. And I'm actually going to go back to a verse that was previously referenced, Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4, towards the beginning of the episode. And you may recall that it says, If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. 
So what is this idea of rebuking and forgiving? It seems like these two concepts kind of contradict each other a little bit. And I would say they don't really. However, in order to have rebuking and forgiving at the same time, I think you have to rebuke in love. And what I mean by that is sometimes you have to give someone the hard truth in love as well. This stems from the idea that loving someone doesn't always mean giving them what they want. Sometimes it means doing what's best for them. I'm not sure if anyone here has ever gotten in trouble with their parents. I definitely did when I was a kid. And a lot of times you'll see parents grounding their children. And obviously the kids are not happy about it. Not at all. But if you look at that from the outside perspective, maybe you look back on your own relationship with your parents years in the future and you see, wow, even though I wasn't so happy about that at the time, they were really looking out for me. They were really teaching me a lesson. They were giving me what I needed. And I think the same thing is true in our relationships with one another. Sometimes you may not be able to give someone what they want because you know that that's going to be harmful, that it's going to lead them down a bad path, or that it might potentially put them in harm's way. And that's when you have to cross that road of giving someone something that they may not necessarily want because you love them. But there's also a little bit of a cautionary piece of advice that I want to give you about this, and that is before you decide that you're going to give someone the hard truth in love, you better do a heart check because giving someone the hard truth in love doesn't mean forcing them to come around to your point of view in love. Giving them the hard truth is something that you do for their benefit, not for your benefit. The other thing that's important is when you're going through this process of forgiveness, you have to still be sure that you're treating someone in a loving manner. Just because you've already come to the conclusion that they may not like what you have to say or the advice that you have to give, that doesn't mean that you should treat them any less kindly, with any less compassion, with any less tenderness. I think that that is also a common pitfall, is when you expect that a situation may be hostile, that someone may react in an adversarial manner or not be receptive, you enter the conversation already in that mindset. And that's a really easy way to naturally drive that conversation to a more hostile manner. And just remember also that the Bible teaches us to love not only our friends, but to also love our enemies. So our behavior should not be dependent on the way that the other person reacts. If I had to sum this up, I would refer back to the golden rule. And actually, you'll find that in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. Doesn't that sound familiar? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I'm sure that almost everyone has heard this at some point in their life. And amazingly, it is just as applicable today as it was 20 years ago, as it was 100 years ago, as it will be in 20 or 50 or 100 more years, you'll never outgrow this policy because even though the world changes, God's standards never do. So, 
This officially wraps up episode one, Forgiveness. Like I said at the beginning, I encourage everyone listening to use the topics covered in this episode as a gateway into your own study of God's Word. Hopefully one of the verses mentioned or perspectives offered has inspired you to dig deeper and further your understanding of who God is, and then take that understanding and apply it to your daily walk. With all that said, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of An Average Count of Exceptional Things. And until next time, encourage one another, love your enemies, and count your blessings.